on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm your host, Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, the show starts with some genre-related news. In a new study published in the peer-reviewed journal Classic Quantum Gravity, scientists from the Advanced Propulsion Laboratory, or APL, present the world's first model for a physical warp drive. What is particularly significant about this model is that it doesn't require negative energy. Now, I don't know how familiar you may be with science's understanding of warp drive, but the existing theory was postulated in 1994 by theoretical physicist Miguel Acubier. The Acubier drive has been criticized by scientists because it requires too much mass and negative energy for humans to ever seriously construct a warp-based propulsion system. And NASA has been attempting to construct a physical warp drive through EagleWorks laboratories for most of the last decade without success. While the Alcubierre drive paradigm uses negative energy, uh, exotic matter that doesn't exist and can't be generated within our current understanding of the universe, this new concept uses floating bubbles of space-time rather than floating ships in space-time. And it is worthy of note that Alcubierre himself has endorsed this new model. It is still highly unlikely that we'll see the breakthrough of a workable model developed in our lifetimes. The Advanced Propulsion Lab scientists write, while the mass requirements needed for such modifications are still enormous at present, our work suggests a method of constructing such objects based on fully understood laws of physics. The CW's live-action Powerpuff Girls pilot has cast its leads. Chloe Bennett as Blossom, Dove Cameron as Bubbles, and Yana Peralt as Buttercup. Based on the Cartoon Network series, the new show envisions the kindergarten-age superheroes as disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having lost their childhood to fighting crime. The pilot is being written and executive produced by Heather Regner and Diablo Cody. On Thursday, DC Comics announced DC Pride, an 80-page anthology comic featuring LGBTQIA+, characters from across the DC Universe, including cameos by Batwoman, Renee Montoya, Alan Scott, Midnighter, Apollo, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, Constantine, and more. DC Pride number one will include full-page profiles of DC's LGBTQIA TV characters and the actors who play them. Fans will also see the first comic book appearance of Dreamer, a trans woman superhero in a story written by actor Nicole Maines, who plays the character on Supergirl. DC Pride will publish on June 8th. And some sad news this week, as American comic book artist writer Frank Thorne passed away. 
Thorne began his career in 1948. He was known for his work on various newspaper strips and comic books, including Flash Gordon, Perry Mason, The Green Hornet, and Red Sonja. He was also a recipient of the National Cartoonist Society Award for Comic Books. Thorne was 90 years old. Today on the radio show, we're talking about the latest Marvel Studios phenomena that concluded last Friday, WandaVision. Joining me are Shireen Nicole, Roberto Ortiz, Drew Bittner, and Julian Lytle. And yes, we have a full, full panel. Ordinarily, we only have four. Today, we have five. But I felt like this topic was meaty enough that we could get away with this. So, of course, talking about WandaVision and... This is, uh, as most Marvel projects, uh, it seems like the hottest thing since sliced bread. Started out a little slow. People, it was too, it was too different from what people had seen uh, for them to be able to really process it. And so, uh, even though all those, the first three episodes were certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, fan reaction was decidedly mixed. But then with episode four, when things got a little more conventional in terms of the storytelling, all of a sudden, everybody was on board. Now, of course, the final episode received the lowest score of the series on Rotten Tomatoes, but it was still over 80%. There are people who would kill for a Rotten Tomatoes score of over 80%. So uh, the first thing that I would like to ask my panelists is um, about your, your reactions. Okay, so, um, you know, well, with the exception of Shireen, everybody had actually been on the show and it had the opportunity to talk a little bit about it. So, Shireen, let's let's talk a little bit about you, Um, you know, after after seeing the whole thing, because obviously, as we're watching it and experiencing it, maybe from week to week, your feelings are a little different. But what was your initial reaction? Um, What was your final reaction? after having seen it all well when i first saw the series i i liked it quite a lot you know much like drew uh and and i guess everybody actually on on this panel i'm a classic tv buff so it was a lot of fun recognizing the dick van dyke show and bewitched and little bits of other television shows and i got the distinct sense that that we were talking about someone who was having a breakdown, who I wasn't sure of. I also had the distinct impression that we were also talking about the ideology of, in in a very um, parallel way, this kind of idea of what it was behind Make America Great Again, this kind of dream of a 50s, uh, late 40s that never really existed except for on television. And and I called it comfort food TV. But I also noticed lots of little things that made me think of QAnon and things like that, which also contributed to the sense of unease that was a counterpoint to the glossy beauty of those um, television classics. So I thought that was really well done. I didn't think it was anything overt or that would play into the storyline, but it was something to give us to, to make us uncomfortable, to let us know that something just isn't right. Especially if you're not a comic book fan and you didn't catch all of those Easter eggs. So that's where I started. I felt very much like the first three episodes were one pilot. 
And I think that that contributed to what you were speaking about in your introduction to the topic is that, you know, people don't have a lot of patience to let a story develop anymore. People want stuff right away and they want their characters to be perfect right away and they want them to go on a journey but not really grow as people, especially if they start off in the wrong place. So I could see where the discontent was coming from and I thought if Marvel kind of wanted to counter that they might have just made the pilot two episodes but I was happy with the first three and um, and then when we get to the ending I felt very very satisfied which is I think something that Marvel does well I mean you guys all know I'm a DC girl first and foremost especially Vertigo but I was very satisfied with the storytelling the way that it was an analog for grief and processing and psychic breaks and I was especially happy with the writing that was done with Vision and his just just magnificent display of humanity. So I walked away from it just very pleased and satisfied with the story I'd gotten and of course very much aware that it was only one piece of a larger story. Hmm. Okay. Exactly. All right. Yeah, very comprehensive. So um fellas, you've heard what Shireen has said. Now of course we have had ample time to have talked about the earlier part because i want to say it was like episode five i think the last time that we had talked about it and then we just held all this stuff for the end but i'm interested um you know in terms of you guys oh and listeners there likely will be spoilers so if you haven't watched it <laughs> then you probably should be careful uh, about listening to this based on what we were talking about before um each of you all in no particular order i guess heck drew we'll start with you but um what what how did you feel about the way that it ended i thought it was going to be a probably a a difficult ending for a lot of people um i think that there were a lot of people that did not necessarily see this coming i think a lot of this a lot of this had been foreseen by us because we know these stories but i don't know that uh, people thought it would go the way that it did. And so I think there were some people that were disappointed in it. Uh, some people were hoping for more. There was not a lot of fan theory out there about, you know, oh, there'll be big cameos, and and there really weren't. And so I think I think there was they were setting themselves up for some people to be disappointed. But for me, it hit the right notes. It closed out pretty well. I think it, I think it hit what, and did what it needed to do. And I think it was a really great exploration of grief and post-traumatic stress and, you know, the, the mental fragility of certain characters and why that's dangerous when coupled with, like, godlike power. I think there was an awful lot going on there. I think it was a good story. I think it closed out where, exactly where it had to, had to be. Um, unfortunately, I, I think there's a tendency to try and cram a little bit too much setup for the next thing into the last part of a story like this. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of loose ends that are obviously going to be tied up somewhere else, but uh, but I liked it. Julian, what about you? How'd you feel about the way the thing ended? Um, uh, I, I didn't care for it. Uh, I didn't care for it because I don't feel... I feel that Wanda was left off the hook again. Uh, she, in the end, I'm watching all this to happen. She's dealing with Agatha 
or whatever. And what really turned me off in the episode, because at a certain point, it was just like, okay, it's ending like Marvel things do. But she literally put her hood up, walked to Monica. Monica said the dumbest line in the whole series. (laughs) And in front of the people that she trapped. Mm. And and then she just basically said, I I'ma see you later. And left. And I'm like, what? She don't she ain't even gonna fake like she gonna turn herself in? Y'all ain't even have a conversation? Like you ain't Jimmy? My guy? Oh, okay. That's what we doing? Alright, bet. Nah, I'm not with it. Thumbs down. It's not mm, nah. Like I don't need a bunch of big cameos. I do I do think it could have used the Benedict Cumberbatch cameo purely for accountability. Like, yo, I know you just dealt with her, the the Agatha, the purple lady, the purple magic lady, but all this you doing, nah, you gotta go to school. Like, this I'm not just letting you do whatever. Like, nah, you come into class, me and Wong got you, you hitting the books, champ. But nah, we ain't get none of that. Seems like that might be coming though, or something along those lines, because we Julian and I had talked about it before, um, and Drew as well, that Marvel does have a problem with accountability for many of its characters in the yes, MCU. For, yes, for the, specifically in this case, and I was thinking about that when I was watching it. I was thinking, I'm sure they're not going to go this way because the the concept of having Doctor Strange and show up at the end and saving the day, or the the meta message that would be sent would be bad. But I agree with Julian specifically about accountability, but I also feel that that loose end was felt that was left open on purpose. Because I'm completely sure if there's another season, which there might be, considering how well this mm, I doubt it. I mean this this felt like a real one off to me. Uh, particularly uh given the mission of this thing now i I suppose you're right if there's money to be made maybe they'll decide that they want to try and cash in i mean goodness knows we did see more than one volume of the vision and the scarlet witch uh miniseries so you know so who knows but i my hope would be that they just let this thing stand on its own and they're gonna have enough other stuff between she hulk and hawkeye and Loki and Moon Knight and all these other things that they shouldn't have to go back to this. Yeah, but, we, um, we, we shouldn't assume that this is going to be the most popular one. This is the first <laughs> one. And yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier is an action movie. Yes, it's, it's, a, a body four, action it's six parts. It's like a, a weekly action movie in six parts. And I have a feeling that if people like WandaVision, when you got Black guy is white sidekick, lethal weapon with superpowers. Yeah. Uh that might blow this out of the water. It'll it'll be a lot more accessible, I think, yeah. for people. Yeah. But I think it's admirable that basically Marvel started with this project because it in on paper, this is the most risky one, uh, in in every way. Because from the title of the show to what they were trying to to do, to the fact that basically this is a a, a woman's story, specifically uh, the grief of a woman and how she deals with it. And and here's one thing that made me quite angry, specifically. People kept bringing 
oh, Mephisto is going to be the bad guy. Mephisto is going to be the bad guy. Mephisto is going to be the bad guy. And it's like, I never ever on the Reddit speculations, I never saw them speculating, maybe Agatha is the bad guy. They speculated who she was, but they could never assume that basically she could be the main bad guy. But the guy who was the head of sword, oh yeah, he's going to be the bad guy specifically on that end. And there was certain, for lack of a better word, sexism there, where they could not see that the Agatha Harkness character could be the bad person. I understand from the comic books that she's more of a neutral good person, but still, there was that feeling I had that was little right. But you know, you know, actually, Wanda was the bad person in the story. Well, she was. She that was part. the. She was the person who caused the most harm, but she wasn't the villain. And that's a really yeah. tricky area, right? That's tricky for us to deal with. Eddie Izzard talks about it in his comedy sketches, right? Like, because Wanda is not, and I say this: Wanda is not villainous in this particular scenario. We can argue about others because she has no intent to cause harm right now the harm is still just as real and just as horrible right but it's not the same as Agatha who was an intentional premeditated villain so both of them did really bad things right but one of them for me is the only one who could be called a villain but to go back to Roberto's point I get what you're saying about the implied kind of sexism in it, but I also think we have to 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 call Marvel on trolling. Marvel trolled all of us so hard. Every every opportunity they got, they trolled us. They misled us. They had this fake Peter Quicksilver, which let me tell you something. You cast Evan Peters, you're messing with people. Right? Like, there's That's no... Cool. If they had cast some dude yeah, we definitely. don't know, definitely. then we could believe in Ralph Boner, right? But when you cast <laughs> Evan Peters, everybody's favorite Quicksilver, you are messing with people. When you have him keep calling people Demon Spawn and, and, and all of these devil references and all of that, you want people to think it's Mephisto. You want... And I think that Kevin Feige is a great troll. Like, he's so good at it. Because he wants to throw and has repeatedly thrown all of these MacGuffins at comic book fans to keep that buzz and that whirlwind going. Is it Thon? Is it is it Nightmare? Is it is it Mephisto? Uh, I, I think all of us, knew, most of us knew that Agnes was Agatha because they kept throwing witch symbolism at us every turn they could uh, as far as Agnes was concerned. But there's so much trolling here that we got to give Marvel credit for. I know. One of the things that... Wait, uh, uh, Roberto, hold that thought just a second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA, 96.7 FM, and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle, Roberto Ortiz, Drew Bittner, and Shireen Nicole. We are talking about WandaVision, the first production from uh marvel disney uh that is has graced disney plus and that fans have uh, essentially embraced uh roberto you were saying yeah but one of the things that made me kind of upset too is the fact that yes there was a lot of speculation and things like that but i feel like um 
fans basically were set themselves up for disappointment in a way because if you follow the speculation threads, and I was also guilty of speculating like crazy, uh, uh, they went. Yeah, but you were right about a lot of stuff. And, and it's fun. It's fun to a point. And I was telling this, I was actually, Jody asked me about the show today and I told her, and I told her that this reminded me a little bit of the plot of the movie, of the book Misery by Stephen King, mm. where fans basically had an expectation of how something should be ending, but the author has another expectation. And the point of Misery, which I like King makes there, is like how hellish would be for an author to follow directly the instructions of the biggest fans to do what they want. And that's what I felt basically watching this because uh, the reaction to it, because it's like, oh yeah, Kevin Feige, basically what he's doing is doing the most simple type of storytelling. It's very streamlined. If you're come clean that you don't understand basically in the Omaro comics, this makes sense. It has a beginning and end, a beginning, a middle and end, and it's completely enclosed in terms of the characters. You're not introducing outside concepts to this storyline with the exception of course of uh that this is a woman who's in grief who has magical powers and what happens so a person technically speaking who comes in version could see this and the story makes sense but fans basically didn't like that they wanted it to have more callbacks included to the overall marvel universe and they were like uh no we're going to give them to you but they still had to make sense in terms of story and that's why i liked a lot that instead of story the the what was presented on screen made sense does that make sense guys well i understand what you're saying and uh, and i agree with much of it the funny thing though is um the, you you actually reference something that reminds me why we have fan fiction in the per in the first place because you know sometimes fans really need to write their own stuff and if they are able to indulge themselves in terms of uh what they want to present with their favorite characters and you know there there's some uh there's some um uh franchises uh, that lend themselves to this, and and you see the fans indulging themselves, uh, you know, particularly earnestly with some of that. But um, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I'm curious though, uh, in terms of because we've talked a lot about the fan reaction, and that's you know <laughs> a lot of this, you know. But what was interesting to me was. The reaction to the final episode, and and actually from when they did that reveal, it was Agatha all along. Um, I mean, I, at that point, I felt like y you stopped guessing, you know, and they yeah. basically gave it all to you. And I, not that that was bad. I mean, by that time, you know, you have to. It's, I mean, it's essentially Act Three, and it's time to conclude everything. But. I noted that the final episode had the lowest score of the series on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, it was still like 82%, which is, you know, really good. But some of these other shows were like high 90s. There were two of them that were like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's like, damn, you know, so the, the thing set a pretty high bar. But um, the statements that it made about 
love, about trauma, about loss. Um, I mean, there was something very weighty in there, very meaty in there, you know? And uh, I'm just, I mean, that, like I said, that last episode versus the rest of the thing. And, oh, heck, I guess I might as well just leave it all hanging out there. Um, I, I, me personally, I missed a Doctor Strange cameo. I just knew it was coming, and then it wasn't, and I was like, oh. And I missed a Mephisto uh, cameo. I expected Mephisto to be involved, you know, just because of his involvement with the characters in the comics. I loved the Easter eggs, uh, particularly the introduction of the Darkhold, Wanda's new costume, White Vision, Billy and Tommy, Monica Rambo getting powers. Hated the characterization of a Agatha Harkness, uh, little Franklin Richards nanny. I mean, I, I wanted that's the Agatha Harkness that I think about. It's like. Aunt May, you know, I mean, Marissa Tomei ain't Aunt May to me. I mean, you want, like, little old lady Aunt May, you know? Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. But, you know, the thing about it is is that you may still get that because as the, as the series ends, you see Agatha being put in a kind of purgatory. And yes. there's this, this statement that Wanda makes in saying, well, it, I know where you are if I need you, right? Hmm. And so... There could be this, because again, what what the MCU does is play the long game. They play a very long game when it comes to their storytelling. As Julian has observed, the movies were, um, you know, uh, episodes of uh, the first season of a of a of a television series. Each movie was an episode, um, and so. I really like when he says that because that makes the most sense. And so Marvel, the MCU is very dedicated to developing characters over time. So we may eventually get, after some time served in the purgatory of Westfield, um, what is it, Westfield, Westview, what is it called? Westview. Westview. But hadn't they Westview. said the real town was named Eastview? Yeah. I could swear yeah. they said that. And then well, at the end it was still Westview. The police yeah. said there was no Westview. Yeah, but they might have been mind control too. So, hmm? yeah, the cop was from Eastview. Because mm -hmm. I expected that sign to switch back to Eastview, and then it didn't. And I was yeah. like, "Wait, what? What?" Monica said to the cop, "Like, isn't there a Westview?" He said, "There's no such thing as Westview." And she said, "Well, where are you from? Eastview." So I was like, oh, "Okay." So you know, one one kind of implies the other, but anyway. Anyway, look. Uh, that musical cue means that we've reached the end of the first segment of the show. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, and that means, among other things, that we're non-commercial. Uh, we rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and our listeners for the ongoing operation of the station. And you should visit the website at WERA.FM or our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can support this vital community resource. Make sure you do that today and it's tax deductible. So, uh, Julian and Shireen and Drew and Roberto and I are going to step aside momentarily. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial because there's more fantastic forum coming right up after this.
and welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Roberto Ortiz, Shireen Nicole, Julian Lytle, and Drew Bittner. And we are talking about, well, we're talking about uh, Marvel movies. Specifically, though, we were started the conversation talking about WandaVision, the first of the Marvel TV productions that is on Disney Plus, because of course we've seen Marvel TV before. It was on Netflix. This is not that. Spent a lot more money on it. Production values are considerably higher, and the stakes are higher also. So um, I want to I want to pivot back to WandaVision as we start the second half of the show, and I'd like to talk a little bit because. It, frankly, it seems like what this whole thing was about, ultimately, uh, is what it said about love, what it said about trauma, what it said about loss. And I'd sort of like to talk a little bit about that here in the second half of the show and see where that takes us. So um, what do we think about uh, what this particular MCU project said about those things versus the way that some of the other Marvel cinematic universe projects say about all that well they had more time to be able to go the advantage of long form of television specifically is that by definition is long form compared to movies with short form entertainment and they had more time to go into the psyche of wanda specifically in terms of uh as a character i felt that the movies have been okay but and they have not gone into detail and specifically about her and what make her tick. And for me, she felt like a more real person watching the show in terms of uh, her motivations, her her grief, her, the fact that Marvel likes to really kick her and 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 kick her, and kick her again. I mean, I, can, I cannot think of a single Marvel character that has been beaten down so hard constantly and I like the fact that it was a journey for her of acceptance the fact that she was grieving but accepting the fact that she she loved and that that line that Vision had about grief was very nice specifically about that grief is basically the emotion that you feel because uh, love is enduring which is sweet and I appreciated that that they allow the character of Wanda to not only be fleshed out, but to mourn all the losses she had had through her life. Um, it's a good point that this is kind of long form. We, we've seen you know, Wanda and Vision as a couple you know, in the course of a few minutes of a few movies. And I think that the fact that they have chemistry between you know elizabeth olsen and paul bettany is is really a tribute to both actors i mean they, they didn't they didn't give them a lot to work with but um you know we we really bought that they're a, a very deeply committed and, and loving couple and um this gives them a, a chance to really see that in action so you know i think that this is it's great it's kind of a, a break from where marvel has been traditionally it's it's great that they're doing things like this and I think that they'll they'll continue to experiment and try new things because of the success of Bond Vision. It's something I want to uh, swing back to because the way that the story was presented 
um, you know, this guy who was the head of S.W.O.R.D. made this accusation. Oh, yeah, Wanda came in and she stole the Vision's body. And then come to find out she didn't steal his body at all. You know, I mean, and I don't know about y'all. I had to actually go back <laughs> and watch, um, you know, when they introduced White Vision because I was like, wait, how did they have his body? Because he got sucked back into the cube. But then, you know, as they were showing that flashback, you saw she didn't take his body out of there at all. I was like, oh, y'all misrepresenting Wanda and playing like, you know, like like the vision she had in Westview wasn't. You know, like she had somehow actually reanimated the pieces of that android, had reassembled them, and she had just created her own. And uh, and I I was I was kind of struck by that. I mean, and then, you know, when White Vision was actually interacting with regular Vision, and uh, and what that means, because I, I honestly I I don't remember a lot about that White Vision storyline in West Coast Avengers. I remember they he was disassembled. And when he was reassembled, you know, everything was thrown out of whack because um, even the basis of his mind, which had been the brain patterns of Wonder Man, Simon Williams, you know, that was erased. And so he was he was not the same character that he had been when he had been Redskinned Vision. And uh, I'm just, I, hey, White Vision at the end of this kind of went off on his own way. And uh, it sort of begs the question, what's going to happen? I mean, obviously, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has demonstrated a willingness to go off in directions that the comic books have not, much to my chagrin. But in this case, I, 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 you know, it wouldn't kill me for White Vision to get with the Scarlet Witch and for them to somehow be able to work it out, despite the fact that he's not actually the same uh being uh sentient being that she came to love initially well wait he has all the memories now so mm -hmm. he does he actually remembers everything and you can't say that he isn't that vengeance because we don't know where the mind gem energy went it just disappeared mm -hmm. but i mean vision tells you who knows what i'll be next yeah hmm. like it's yeah i guess for me I, I i know this this wasn't even supposed to be the first show the pandemic caused so many changes to things because I think the first show was actually supposed to be Falcon and Winter Soldier because it's supposed to lead mm. into Black Widow because you know that that's mm. similar mm -hmm. subject matter and character and you know connection to that whole the Captain America movies and then we were supposed to get WandaVision but you know pandemic uh, so I, I think it I think it set a tone and I think you know listening to my fellow guests, everyone seems to enjoy Marvel with the you know the show, the adding the show into the whole mega franchise concept. For me, it, it was in like I like the middle episodes. I like Act Two, and then once you got to the end of Act Three, once you got to the eight and nine, I was like, I tap, I'm tapping out. Like it's it's not that impressive to me. Even the story of grief to me within the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't the best story of grief. To me, it's Thor's, but hmm. he goes through the most. The man broke down in tears in front of his mom after he got to see her again. He got fat. He failed. He had to come <laughs> back together. Like, like that's some real. Now that's real. Like I'm supposed to be the hero, and I didn't aim for the head, and everyone died. Like that. I watched my brother get strangled to death in front of me. 
I watched my friend get beat up and fall into a port. Like, nah, it's Thor. Like, Wanda, yeah, uh, yeah, you blew somebody up by accident. Oh, I feel really bad for you. No accountability again, kind of. You got to be Avenger on, on probation. But my guy Thor Odinson? Nah, he he went through it. By the time you get to Endgame, he didn't gone through it. Of course, he's happy to see Steve pick up the daggone hammer. He don't even feel like he's worthy of the hammer no more. He yeah. out here become a cheerleader. But overall, I think they're on to something. I want to see what these next two shows do. And now that they, they so far along planning the other shows, you know, they, they, they just, it probably gave everybody a boost of morale. And everybody knows what they're doing. Between that and the Star Wars shows, they got everybody for their their $8, $12, whoever you know if you get the Disney bundle or not. Like, they know they got everybody. They know they got everybody on Fridays. Three in the morning? They got people getting up at three in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) It's them and Drake the only people getting people to get up at three in the morning to hear something new. Like, what that new Marvel out? What that new Drake out? Oh, over the same day? Oh, my God. (laughs) They sure had my ass up at three in the morning. <laughs> that is no joke, man. That is no joke. Yeah. My God, hey. the, the trolls on the internet were so bad in terms of. Oh, oh, oh! Thank you. What What surprised me was how people were getting alerts on their phones, and they would look at the phone, and there's you- some kind of thing. That, I, it, yeah, no, it's like they would, that kind of thing was happening. I mean, to say because nothing articles of articles were being written. Mm. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's the thing. The writers of these articles should be shot. It's like, I, I understand that you basically want the clicks, but come on. Uh. Hey, man. Yeah. The power company don't care about what y'all feel about theories and tro- trolls, whatever, man. They still got to get paid for their little posts. They need to, they got to pay their bills. I tell you what, after my phone mistakenly revealed to me, that uh that Dr. Manhattan surprise which from um from Watchmen I shook it real hard it ain't never done that again <laughs> it does not spoil me on nothing my phone is real chill and quiet it's circumspect you know what I'm saying everybody needs to try that <laughs> I shook know? it real hard I was like you don't don't you ever do that again my phone was like I am sorry I <laughs> But I, but I tell you what, though, I was very disappointed with all the people who felt that they needed to comment somehow. Oh, yeah. And there, there was, I mean, within f- even 48 hours after the thing, there's somebody I know who I'm not going to say who it was, but I looked at this person's, uh, they, well, they, they came up in my feed and they had a picture of uh, colored vision fighting white vision. This was, this was on Saturday night. Okay, that he put this post up, and I'm like, this thing didn't drop until Friday. It's like, and you go, it, it's Saturday, and I don't but, care if it's late Saturday. But, but, but Ulysses, that was the V. Sean era. It was necessary for the people that we got the V. Sean tweets. I'm <laughs> I'm okay with it because I got gold chain turtleneck V. Sean. <laughs> Oh, I saw that. Oh, and LaWanda. <laughs> I don't know. I ain't giving no Wanda no pass. Nothing. She don't get to get oh. no black card. She ain't part with Condon. You know what I'm saying? My man V. Sean be out here with the Henny. You know what I'm saying? He had the cookout. He playing spades. You know what I'm saying? He got, you know, he got some numbers. He up in Tinder. He in the DM. 
You know what I'm saying? Through his eyeballs. I'm gonna be Sean out in these streets. <laughs> and that's why I was worth it. That made me like the entire finale a whole rating point because of Vishon. If it wasn't for Black Twitter, mm. I, it'd be a six for me. But it's at a good seven and a half <laughs> just because of Vishon. For me, sure. for me, I mean, I like Vishon, but you know, black people, we tend to express our love by welcoming you into the fold. So you got, <laughs> you got Christopher Jamal Evans and Vishon. So, but for me, there's a there's a thing on the internet. There's a culture on the internet about being first. It's just the culture yeah. of the internet. I know that when I the f- the first time I noticed it was when I was watching some of my K dramas, and people would literally comment, and their comment would be first. And and that's what you're noticing. People wanted to be the first one to tell everybody about Wandavision and what they'd seen in their excitement, and and we could wish that they had more etiquette, but I don't think that's going to change, mm. you know? So, so you might as well just enjoy Vishon with the African medallion. I think you got to throw Lawanda into that though, because oh, she yeah. had, she, yeah, yeah. She had, uh, you know, her hair all braided up, you know, and, uh, you know, she had some nice little gear on there, and I you saw know, it, she, but she went white. Vichon. Well, she, you know, she a Karen. She a Karen. She white. <laughs> you saw what she was doing to to Monica when you, she was pointing out her in the neighborhood, like you don't belong here. Yeah, nah, she don't get that pass. <laughs> Never forget. You don't belong Never here. Forget. She surely did. She mm-hmm. surely did. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about the character before I forget of photo and how it was presented? Well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. I was just getting ready to ask about her, but um, uh, shoot, there was something else I uh, I had wanted to say about that. Uh, oh, um, yeah, in terms of uh, black culture embracing you, um, you know, that was with with Vision. That was absolutely the black delegation. And drafting this character, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and embrace. Let me tell you something. The best one for me was Vision looking at Wanda and saying, Wanda, do human women have vibranium in them? And Wanda said, no, why? And then Vishon said, I can fix that. Whoa. <laughs> I, I remember that one. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I remember that punchline. That's uh I mean, that's Drew, how do you think they got them kids? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that th- those beds slid together and next thing you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're listening to Fantastic Forum on W E R A ninety six point seven FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Shireen Nicole and Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz. And we are talking about WandaVision uh, on Disney+. Plus. So, okay, uh, we're going to go there now, uh, Roberto. And uh, I'm going to say here, uh, Monica Rambeau, uh, Captain Marvel, Photon, um spectrum. I, I, spectrum yeah whatever you want to call her but um how did we feel about that because i i missed her in uh you know they they kind of teased her you know when um 
you know, faux Quicksilver kind of ran up on her and was like, you know, oh, what was it? What did he say? It wasn't um, gonna snoop. Snooper's going to snoop. Thank you. You know, and then she didn't appear in like the whole next episode. <laughs> it was like, wait, what? Uh, you know, so anyway, though, but what? Did, how did we feel about that character? Um, I she was okay. Like, um, again, the second act, she's great. You know, you start episode four. Uh, you know, whether set up in the in the first, you know, the second episode, and then the third episode, but really, it's the fourth episode where you get like her backstory, what she's doing. She's teaming up with Darcy, and and my man, the god Jimmy Woo. It's four X Files out this joint. They out here beast mode, and she's getting. And then we get to the part you just referenced. Snooper snooping or whatever, and he hijacks her, and then we don't see her. And then I'm sitting here thinking, and this is me assuming. Wow, this is not even assuming. This is me hoping she gonna get to some fisticuffs. She ain't get no fisticuffs. At the in the in the in the last episode, she becomes something that's becoming a trend with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and she becomes the black sidekick. And I'm tired of the black characters in these Marvel things. Besides Black Panther, because it's Black Panther, and there's Ryan Coogler and the whole super gang gang team being sidekicks or being sidekicked. At the end, she became her mom with Carol. Hmm. Like, now, nah, if you don't punch Juan in the face, if you don't punch Agatha in the stomach, let these fools know what time it is, man, nah. I mean, she, she, she did wrestle Boner to the ground. I mean, like, that's all. That's, that's all. all, though. Yeah, it wasn't enough. And then, she, then like, oh, no, I got to save the children so I don't get shot. I ain't going to zap nobody with no lasers or nothing. I ain't going to whiz around with my speed of lightness. Nah, I'm a, I'm a black woman. I'm going to get shot on, on camera again. Okay. Hmm. It, it, it is becoming a problem. Um, Alice Mitchie Lee mentioned something about aren't we a little tired of the bulletproof black hero? And she's right. And Julian is right. Yeah, I I, I think that it's... They they didn't do justice to Monica Rambeau in this series. Um, She was a great character, and she was shortchanged there at the end. I think that um, she really shouldn't have um, absolved Wanda of what she did. I I don't think that she should have necessarily jumped in front of the kids to save them. I can see where that comes from, but maybe not. Um, and and I think that she should have been able to stand on her own a little bit better against you know Ralph Boner. Geez. Um, but not only that, we didn't get an awful lot from Darcy. Darcy had been a significant character, and she has one tiny little scene, one appearance in the entire episode, final episode. Um, so, so yeah, I think there, there, there are definitely some, some issues, some things you can point out in the, in the final episode and say, yeah, that, that didn't work out. But, um, yeah, I think Monica's, Monica's story arc didn't end well for her, and I'm only hoping they do better by her in Captain Marvel 2 and Secret Invasion. I think they were so focused on building Monica out as Photon and having her be a fledgling in her powers 
um, that they aborted it in 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 certain ways. Uh, the same thing as Drew mentioned with Darcy. Seems like they have more plans for her, but yeah. ag- again. It, it felt like they were kind of trying to hold their hand back a little bit. And, and yeah, it does seem like they had more plans. But at the same time, it seems like they kind of folded their hand. Even with Jimmy Woo. Like, I think people are more satisfied with Jimmy Woo because Randall Park has such a huge personality. And he got to do his little trick with the phone and be like, yo, can you get here? But But all of them kind of got cut off a bit in ways that make you think it was in service of building them out more in their different movies that we know they're going to be in. But I do definitely understand that certain choices that you can make with other characters, you can't make with black characters or other characters of color because there's symbolism that comes with it. Well, I think basically that they didn't cross any lines that are are not fixable. It's, it's things that basically, once they re- revisit these characters, they can actually address those points. Um, because overall, I think it was fine. It could have been better. We agree on that. But there was nothing that I would go to the point of saying that there was character assassination in any way. So, so there's that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, <laughs> for me, it wasn't Vishon. It was Vision. <laughs> I mean, um, I, for me, what what did it all was vision and like I said his really magnificent wealth of humanity and then you know I just like quantum physics I like thought experiments so you you give me these two visions and and it's it's a theoretical conversation that leans into the thought experiment of the ship of Perseus and I'm great <laughs> like I'm thriving I'm did sitting you know there like actually or you know you wrote that yeah um, I do Wade yep <laughs> uh, Mark but, Way was like, cool. <laughs> they used my material. <laughs> Where's the check? Keep watching the mail. Keep watching the mail. Yeah. Now, I tell you what, though, and, and when we're almost out of time, but I, I'd like to look a little bit at, at the Agatha character in turn because she ended up actually being a foil for the expression of Wanda's grief in a lot of ways and you know that whole little magical mystery tour thing that she took her on uh, Agatha was the fulcrum sort of for all of that stuff and it's kind of interesting now, now she irritated me because she was so pompous along the way and arrogant you know about her uh, p- perceived superiority you know so I, I really liked it at the end when she recognized well when she recognized that Wanda had put the runes on the construct, you know, and it was like, oh, <laughs> she she got you there. <laughs> she got you she there. She told I mean, her to. She told her. She, she did. She educated Wanda on how to do that, and Wanda did it. And it was like, that's <laughs> why that's why villains got to learn to keep their mouth shut. That's why. <laughs> Don't talk so much. The best analogy, exactly. description I heard about that character, it came from the actress herself. She basically said that she approached this from a point of view of a Salieri and a Mozart, that she saw herself as a Salieri, somebody who had to work hard to develop her magical skills, had to learn from hundreds of years. And there's this person who magic just comes to her naturally. 
and he's you're like how is that possible I, I haven't killed you on the spot right now because i really need to understand how how can you make it look so easy when it's so hard it has been i had to sacrifice so much and i had to learn so much to get where i am and you just do it <laughs> You know, that's a that's really sweet and cute and nice and everything, but I call bull, and I'm going to tell you why. Go. First of all, Agatha is on the stake, and she sucks all them women dry. She just, on purpose, she sucks their full life force out of them and grins when she does it. Because, because magic does come easily to Agnes, to Agatha. It comes mm. real easy to her. She plays in the dark hold like it's a swimming pool. What she was mad about is that it comes more easily to Wanda. What she was mad about is that Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. And we see this time and time again. It's like I said, not on this show, but I've said it before. Agatha could have freed all of those people and she didn't. She had the power to free them at any moment she wanted to. She could have freed them. She didn't. Instead, she enjoyed it. She enjoyed manipulating Wanda. And she knew that Wanda was was in a bad state of mental health. And she played with it. And then she imprisons Ralph Boner. She, he's imprisoned. She knows that Tommy and Billy are very real people inside the hex. And she chokes them out in front of their mother. They're real in there, people. They are very real. And she does all of these things gleefully, wickedly. And she even tells Wanda, she, she, she makes that villainous deal with Wanda. Well, if you give me all your powers, then I will let you keep your illusion and you can stay here with your family. And then as soon as she perceives Wanda has done this, she goes, ha, 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 ha. I was playing. I was playing. You can't keep none of this. You already messed it up. It's broken. I'm just going to go off and be the Scarlet Witch now. I don't want y'all to miss the fact that Agatha, in this particular context, is a wonderful villain. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw in a point here that um, it's a little off topic, a little, a little bit of a tangent, but um, Hayward in this is also, in a way, an expression of grief because he has that moment with, with Monica where he basically says, you people that disappeared in the snap don't know how hard it was. So he's mm -hmm. obviously carrying some trauma, too. So mm -hmm. he, in a way, he's a dark reflection of Wanda because he's doing something bad. He knows he's doing something bad. He wants to take out Wanda because he thinks she, that she's a threat. And he's going to use the vision against his own wishes to be his sentient weapon. So it's yeah. interesting that Hayward yeah. is kind of a rival villain in all this, but, but he's also a victim of trauma and PTSD and and grief. So and, and you know, Drew, you make me think of another theme of WandaVision, which is manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know that whole the Haywood character, he's it, it, well, at least the way they presented him, he's he wasn't all bad. I mean, the fact that he unless he had some idea that he could use Wanda to power the vision because you know when he explained hey we put him together several times but we hadn't been able to power it you know and siphoning chaos magic off of that drone they were finally able to power the um, uh, the revived vision but you know when he, and, and who knows again that might have been his hope when he allowed her in 
to see the vision in that state. But the way that he presented it, well, you know, I just wanted you to be able to say goodbye. And no, you can't take $4 billion worth of vibranium and put it in the ground, mm-hmm. but you yeah. can't say goodbye. <laughs> you know, that's what you, we, she deserves that at least. I mean, and then, because uh, regardless of what, it, what his intentions were, he had the guys there, they were armed, wasn't going to make much of a difference, but they still could have opened fire. And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait, stop. Just, you know, let her say goodbye. You know? yeah. And and the fact that she didn't take the vision out of there, which she could have easily done. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, look, that uh, musical cue means that we are out of time, but I would like to thank my panelists and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. Check your local listings uh, for the time it airs in your area or and or of course go to the website at fantastic forum tv we have complete episodes of the show uh, as well as the different segments broken out for your convenience you can also tune in again when the show re-airs each and every thursday from 3 to 4 p.m and uh, you can come back again next week same bad time same bad station Have a great weekend, everybody.